turn to Acts. And I'm not even going to tell you the chapter. Just kind of stick your finger in the middle of Acts and we'll start somewhere in there. Today I've got the wonderful challenge of of actually bringing our series in Acts into land. And some people are wondering, yeah, but we've only got to like chapter 14 or 15. That's true, but I get the privilege and the challenge of now bringing that into land before we actually start our summer series next week. Uh, one of the questions we've been asking throughout this series has been, is why the local church is actually the hope of the world. It's a big audacious statement, isn't it? But right at the outset, I actually want to give you the answer to that question and just kind of keep coming back to it a little bit and touching on it as we move through the message today. And the answer to why is the local church the hope of the world, it's not because of how amazing we are or that the church is somehow better than everybody else or everything else around us. No. The only reason the local church is the hope of the world is because God said so. Oh, that's too simple, Aaron. No, it's because God said so. And when God says something, that's actually the end of the debate. It's the end of the conversation. And we pick it up from there with Him. For sure, people try to debate, they try to dissuade, they try and debunk the value of the church. We, we can be persecuted around the globe, we can be crushed, we can be told, you are no longer relevant, church. But something deeper than human words and actions has actually happened which are woven into the very fabric of time and space itself. God's spoken. When he opens a door, no one can shut it. When he closes a door, no one can open it. When he speaks, it comes to pass. And that's why I entitled the message today, Living Out of God's Promises. So let me start today by painting with a very big, large, broad brushstroke that just is going to help us to give us some context and a timeline before we get into the book of Acts. The first thing I want to say is God's promises are eternal promises. At the very beginning of creation's existence, creation physically began with four words, Spoken by the one who has existed before anything. And has no beginning and no end. Let there be light. And there was light. Spoken from the mouth of God. It came to pass. The creator kept on speaking word, the world into existence and breathed life into, the ver- into his very own image, into Two human forms, male and female, it says, he created them. Even after the first humans disobeyed God, they opened the doorway to sin into the world. Our Heavenly Father actually spoke. Even in his decree over humanity about the new reality that they would need to live in and the consequences that flowed out of their actions, at the same time, Our Heavenly Father gave the hope of a promise, the promise of a Savior. The Lord kept on speaking and has kept on speaking for thousands of years, and the things that He said continued to come to pass. Even after 400 years of silence, the promised Savior was born in a stable in Bethlehem. 
At his baptism about 30 years later, heaven opens over Jesus of Nazareth and God speaks. This is my son with whom I'm well pleased. What God had spoken came to pass. The journey of Jesus led him all the way to that wooden cross on that hill at Calvary. His death prophesied hundreds of years earlier. A place where he paid the price. He paid the price of the first Adam's sin and all those that would come after. Jesus proved his claim of being the Son of God when he rose from the dead, defeating death itself, becoming the second Adam who set all things right. And then God in the flesh, the risen Christ, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, spoke these words to his followers as he was getting ready to ascend into heaven. He said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, here's the promise. I'm with you always. Nathan, can you just take my gain and roll the gain back just a little bit? There you go. Awesome. So he said, he's, and behold, the promise, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. That's a long time. They had been commissioned by God himself to go. This little fledgling church was meant to be plan A for sharing and spreading the good news and the hope of Jesus Christ. There was no plan B. There is still no plan B. It's still the local church that is commissioned to do that. Sharing the message that God loves us, that we have a Savior, His name's Jesus. Our sin, our guilt, our shame have been forgiven. The way to our Heavenly Father is open through Jesus. And we can be saved from the consequences of sin and death itself. We can have eternal life with Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Someone's excited back there. (laughs) We read weeks ago at the start of Acts, Jesus didn't expect us to achieve success in this mission on our own. Right before he ascends into heaven to be with his Father, He gave his disciples further instructions about how they were to accomplish this task. In Acts 1.8 it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And, here's the promise, you will. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Well, what happens? You tell me what happens. The Holy Spirit fills the church and empowers them to do exactly what Jesus had spoken. We are still being the Lord's witnesses here and out to the ends of the earth to this very day. And why is this all happening? Sorry to oversimplify things. (laughs) But it's because God said so. That's why. So not only 
does God have eternal promises, things that will carry on through time and space? God not only makes promises to groups of people, but I want it to focus in on God makes promises to individuals. Those are all the big, broad brushstrokes that include all of creation. But what about those smaller little brushstrokes? Is Andrea, and who else is painting back there? I couldn't quite see. Oh, hi, Sam. <laughs> They're painting back there what they feel God's been speaking to them. Pictures that they feel that they've seen and they, that have a prophetic message behind them that are meant to get translated onto a canvas. But what about those individual things that God's spoken over your life? Does our Heavenly Father speak to us as individuals? Does He speak to us things that actually have our destiny wrapped up in them? Absolutely. We see God doing this throughout the whole of Scripture. When Moses dies and Joshua takes over as the leader of Israel, God speaks to Joshua and he tells him specifically, be strong and courageous. He gives him promises in the midst of that. He says, be strong and very courageous. That meant God was with Joshua. The God who actually spoke creation into being was saying, just like I was with Moses, so I'm going to be with you, Joshua. You can be strong and courageous because I'm with you. If I'm the one who's telling you to be strong and courageous, it means that my words will actually carry with them the power to accomplish the things that I've said will happen. Step out and lead my people. And God had a solid track record. He's still got a solid track record for being faithful to bring his words to pass. It might not look or turn out like we thought. That's for sure. I've experienced that. I thought, God, I thought you were going to do it this way. No. Oh, well, apparently you're doing it this way. No. But he accomplishes his intentions perfectly. 100% of the time. So let's come back to Acts. Let's drill into the life of a normal but hugely significant human being. Saul, who would become Paul. He has this radical encounter on the Damascus Road with Jesus. And is transformed forever by that encounter. There are words in that moment, commissioning, spoken by Jesus himself into someone who would become probably one of the most influential people in the early church in spreading the gospel. And believe it or not, folks, we are actually going to cover the last 14 chapters of Acts today. Get ready. I hope you brought your coffee. No, I just want to encourage you, read it yourself. Over the summer, I just challenge you, read it yourself. There's lots of exciting stuff in there. The second half of the book of Acts starts with church leaders in Jerusalem. They're gathering to decide whether or not these new Gentile converts need to get circumcised to actually become true Christians, true followers of Christ. And after a lot of discussion, they agree, they find the mind of Christ together, they find unity, and they decide, no, that's not going to be needed. Uh, It's by grace alone we're going to welcome them into the family of God without that condition 
And this meeting also was part of starting the sharing of the good news with the rest of the world. This was the launch of global missions being released. Remember, Jesus said, take the message to Jerusalem, a little further out, Judea and Samaria, and then to the ends of the world. And the majority of Acts centers around the Apostle Paul and his missionary journeys. Um, I found this. I thought it was kind of neat. If you've ever been into London, the London Underground or the Tube, well, all the maps that I saw that have Paul's missionary journeys, I was like, how on earth do you follow that? Now, I don't know that you can follow that any better, but that's probably one of the best things that I've seen about (laughs) Paul's missionary journeys. So that was just a fun thing for you to be able to look at while you hear me talk and whether you listen or not. So... It talks about his missionary journeys, but it's also about his eventual arrest and the long journey that he takes to Rome to gain an audience before the Roman Emperor Caesar. Paul wasn't just a Jew, he was actually a Roman citizen by birth. And when he was being mobbed by an angry group of people in Jerusalem, he providentially came under the protection of some Roman soldiers that pulled him out of there. And Paul, in the course of events, he actually makes an appeal to Caesar to judge his case instead of being handed over to the Jews who were trying to kill him. Now let's just back up a tiny bit before Paul returns to Jerusalem in Acts 21. You don't have to go there. Over the last few years, Paul has traveled thousands of miles sharing the gospel, seeing people come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, establishing churches wherever he went. Each moment of his journey, Paul receives instructions, he hears from the Lord, and he knows where he's supposed to go next. And then the Holy Spirit speaks into Paul's heart so strongly about going back to Jerusalem that he pushes past all the concerns and the worries of of the people in his life the people who were closest to him, who knew what was probably waiting for him in Jerusalem. And he even resigned himself that he may die in Jerusalem. But he felt so strongly pulled there by the Lord. I don't know about you. Have you ever felt so convinced and so convicted about something the Lord's said to you that it didn't matter what got in the way, but you were going to follow after that? Yeah, I know some of you here have. You know what that's like. There is a compulsion. There is something within you that drives you towards that because God's actually with you in that promise. And as soon as he gets to Jerusalem, bad stuff starts happening. To no fault of his own, Paul's presence basically starts a riot with the people who want to see him dead. And he barely escapes, like I mentioned, with the help of these Roman soldiers. And this next span of time is what I really want to focus in on today. I know I've taken a bit to get here, but I needed to kind of build up some of this so we would have context to get to the point. So Paul is sleeping in Roman barracks. If you turn in your device or your Bible to Acts 23, Acts 23, verse 11, the Jews outside have been stirred up to kill him as soon as he steps foot outside of those barracks. He's facing these trumped-up charges and death. But here's what we read in Acts 23, verse 11. The following night, the Lord stood by him. 
Don't miss that. The Lord stood by him and said, Take courage, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify also in Rome. Based on everything that I've already said this morning, what do you think is going to happen? Ah, God has spoken. Paul's going to Rome. Why? Because God said so. (laughs) Paul gains favor with Felix and Festus, who were governors in transition over that region, and he gets sent to King Agrippa for an audience before him, and they kind of like Paul. They, 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 they don't see anything wrong with this guy. In fact, they know that he's caught in the midst of some religious politics. And King Agrippa he even says to Festus, he says, this, this man, Paul, he could have been, we would have, I would have set him free if he hadn't appealed to Caesar. Don't. <laughs> right? Paul can't even get knocked off his journey to Rome by the people who actually want to set him free. But God had said. And you know what else is happening this whole time? Everyone's hearing the gospel. Kings, governors, soldiers, servants, in the governor's mansion, in the king's palace. Whether they overheard things as Paul was talking to the officials, or whether, or, or whether they just kind of heard it by, you know, indirectly, or he, maybe even Paul spoke to them directly. The gospel is being heard. And I bet you those people told their friends about this Paul and this Jesus who he was talking about. Seeds being sown. All the forces that wanted to stop Paul from preaching the gospel actually gave him a broader platform to spread hope. And Paul would need that promise from God about going to Rome. He would need it. He is boarded on a ship with other prisoners that are headed for Rome. And the journey, they journey for some time together, and eventually, the centurion who's in charge of the boat makes a bad judgment call. He ignores Paul's warnings, and they find themselves in the middle of an intense storm that they battle for two weeks near the island of Crete. And in the midst of that battle, and throwing cargo overboard and almost even throwing the prisoners overboard to give themselves some more float, Paul gets up to speak. And if you find in Acts 27, Acts 27, verse 21, it's not going to come up on the screen. Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, Men, you should have listened to me. (laughs) Can you imagine? And you've not set sail from Crete, and you would have. Men, you should have listened to me and not set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. Yet now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night there stood before me an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I worship, and he said, Do not be afraid. That sounds like an angel of God, doesn't it? Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all of those who sail with you. So take heart, men, 
For I have faith in God that he will, it will be exactly as I have been told. But we must run aground on some island. <laughs> Paul believed God at his word. God had said Paul needed to testify in Rome. Even with a ship that is being stripped bare, eventually they actually take off the sails and all the block and tackle and ropes and everything. They even cut the lifeboat off. Paul says, folks, God has said, I need to go to Rome. And because that needs to happen, and I'm on this boat, none of you are going to die. Wow. But that's exactly what happens. They shipwreck on the island of Malta. And even though they had to swim for it, and people were paddling in on pieces of the, of the ship, not one of the 276 people on board lost their lives. That's soldiers, prisoners, sailors who were alive and would still be spending three months together trying to get to Rome. Now let's ask a question. How many of the people on board that ship would have been grateful to Paul and might have been willing to listen when he wanted to share the gospel with them? Perhaps. But he was still a prisoner of Rome after all, right? There's some judgments that we have about prisoners and what they're capable of and what they should and shouldn't be able to do. But something curious happens. The people of Malta show this shipwrecked crew of people great kindness and they look after them. They build a fire for them. They help them to dry out and to get warm in this wind and the cold that was blowing in Malta. And Paul, he tries to be helpful. He grabs some wood and he goes to throw it on the fire. And out from the wood, a poisonous viper comes out and bites him and hangs off of his hand. For those of you who were here a while back, I did tell you there were poisonous snakes in the book of Acts. Here it is, right here in this moment. It's exciting. So, for Paul... The people are looking. They're wondering, what's going to happen? Right? He's their own prisoner. The people there are thinking, what's going to happen to this guy? And here's what they say in Acts 28, verse 4. Acts 28, verse 4. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man's a murderer. Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. This guy must be really bad. He just made it through this massive storm, and now he's here and he got bit by a snake. Let's watch what happens. Right? However, he shakes off the, the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead, but when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds and they said he was a god. A little, let's read a little further. Now in the neighborhood of that place, in verse 7, were lands belonging to the chief man of the island named Publius, who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. And it happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery. That doesn't sound like much fun. And Paul visited him and prayed, and putting his hands on him, healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were also cured. 
And they also honored us greatly, and when we were about to set sail, they put on board whatever we needed. I imagine like Paul did on other occasions, he would have said, hey, I am no God. I'm not a God. I'm a man just like you. But I'd like to tell you about the one who has just healed you. The good news. There's good news for every man, woman, and child here. Do you want to hear? Do you think they might have been open to listening to him? I think so. So now the ship is restocked. 276 people pile back on for the last leg of their journey to Rome. Can you imagine the feeling in people's hearts as they saw the coastline, that Italian coastline, and they sailed that last kilometer into port before they knew they were going to be able to get off the boat? I wonder how many people over that long period of time had become followers of Christ whether publicly or maybe privately in their own hearts, like maybe the centurion. You know, they couldn't kind of be out there public about it. Maybe. Think of what they had seen and what they had experienced with Paul. They'd seen firsthand the God who sovereignly sent Paul to Rome, accomplishing exactly what he had said. Here's something that I was impacted by. As Paul is placed under just a light house arrest with lots of liberties and freedoms in Rome. What happened as the Roman soldiers went back to their barracks? What happened as prisoners were transferred to different places and prisons? What happened as sailors found new ships and sailed off to different destinations and headed back out to sea? I believe the Lord turned them into sharers of the gospel. Even if they hadn't received the Lord as their Savior themselves, I can just hear, Maximus, (laughs) Maximus, you'll never believe what I'm going to tell you. I was with this guy Paul for three months. This is what happened, right? How How can that not have been what happened? I believe that was part of God's strategy the gospel being taken to the ends of the earth. Paul has two full years in Rome with literally no restrictions on his ability to preach and teach the gospel in the name of Jesus. And he was doing so at the very epicenter of world power in that moment in history. And the gospel would begin to travel down all of those Roman roads that were being built like spokes coming out from the hub of a wheel all over the known world. And why, why did this happen? Because God said so. Because Paul believed God at his word. And this is where Dr. Luke actually finishes writing and puts his pen down and finishes the book of Acts. But that's certainly not the end of the story. It's not the end of God speaking. And this is the third thing I want to highlight. Not only does God speak eternally, does God speak to us individuals, but God has promises for us to live out today. Today. Why is the local church the hope of the world? 
Because we believe God at his word. He said so. He's said that we're part of an eternal plan, but also part of a plan that's actually meant to be lived out in the here and now, today, in the present. We believe that Jesus is the light of the world. The one who made a way to bring life and freedom to every nation, every generation. The hope that we bring with the message of Christ isn't just something that happens when we die. It is a message of hope that's actually meant to be lived out in the here and now, today. The gift of salvation isn't just for eternity, it's for today. We can live a life of freedom and joy today because of the Spirit of God at work in us to transform us and take us from where we are to where God wants us to be. So what about you? What about you? If you're a follower of Jesus... What kinds of promises have you received from the Lord? What have you received? What are you believing? There's lots found in Scripture that we can anchor into, but there's also lots the Holy Spirit wants to share with us, just like He did with Paul leading him on his journey for our daily living, for our direction, for our encouragement. Have you been taking God at His word and stepping out in faith to meet Him there? I ask myself the same question. Am I doing that too, Lord? But Aaron, I'm not the Apostle Paul. (laughs) He's kind of unique, don't you think? Yeah, that's true. But don't use that as an excuse not to believe God at his word and to step out in faith to meet him with your own life. I'm not like Apostle Paul, so therefore I shouldn't step out in faith. That doesn't make any sense, does it? Well, what's... What's Sophia Nolan doing? What's she doing? She's preparing to move to York. You know, in many ways, it's absolutely no different than what the Apostle Paul was doing. She's been in a process of listening and hearing God's voice speak into her life over at least the last two years. There have been roadblocks. There's been flights canceled, right? There have been other wonderful opportunities that have opened up across the way, but that could have taken her in a totally different direction. But she feels that after this summer, York, England is the next destination that God's spoken to her. I wonder what the Lord's going to do with her and teach her along the way. At Gateway, our Panic congregation is heading across the Red River, not to make that too big a spiritual metaphor, you know, the Red Sea or something, but they're moving from Elmwood Transcona into West St. Paul because we believe that God's asked the church and the school to do so. It's taken a lot longer than we ever thought it would to make that journey. But the Lord's given us miracles along the way to confirm that he's with us, that we're on the right track. The main reason that we're actually planting out in West St. Paul is because we believe God said so and that he will make a way. What about your own life? Many of you here, you've got testimonies of how God has spoken to you, led you, and fulfilled his word in your life over many years, whether that's in small ways or really big, huge ways. While you and I, we're certainly not the Apostle Paul, We are still called to be Christ followers, just like he was. 
We may not all equally have the same passion for the gospel that Paul had, (laughs) but if we're not sharing the truth, the good news out of our lives, we're not sharing the gospel with the people that are around us in our daily living, then us here as the local church of South Osborne, we're not accomplishing our mission. We're not bringing the hope that we're meant to be to the world around us that is desperate for hope. Paul actually lived in the present. And he lived out his faith in whatever context or situation he was thrown into. Jesus always had a place in the conversation wherever he found himself. He used God's promises as this backstop for his faith. The things that he launched out of into faith. When God's promised you something, it doesn't mean... I feel like this is a word of the Lord for somebody here. When God has promised you something, it does not mean your life is on hold until that promise becomes a reality. Live in the present. Each person that we encounter in our daily living is an opportunity for you to ask the Lord, how can I love this person with the love of Christ? How can I bring them hope? How can I serve them in a way that will glorify Christ in my life and in theirs because you never ever know the series of events that is being strung together out of your obedience and faith of the Holy Spirit to impact the world around you in ways that you can never fully imagine the book of Acts it's all about the growth and the spread of the gospel across the known world and as we You know, here in Manitoba, two months of summer, we kind of have two months to play. We go off in different directions for a period of time. But as summer happens for you and you're spending time going off in different directions and connecting with the people in your lives in different ways, how will you be extending hope into their lives? Ask the Lord to show you His promises, the things that He has for you, and lean into them. Lean into them. Not only that, but lean back into them. Trust Him with them. I think this last story, just quickly, will sum things up. Uh, A friend of mine was on an airplane headed towards, uh, I guess, going from Toronto uh, to London overnight. And they were sitting beside someone who was obviously afraid of flying. And they became increasingly agitated. They were starting to get vocal about their fears. And they could see the stewards on the plane kind of wondering, oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do with this person? And I guess in an act of love and faith, it was a bit like Paul on the ship going to Malta. My friend leaned over and he said to the passenger, he said, well, I suppose if we go down over the Atlantic, then the Lord must have different plans than I thought. <laughs> but then he followed it up with this. <laughs> he says, but, but God and me, we've got a pretty good relationship, and I believe without a shadow of a doubt that God has plans for me in England. So I figure God has a vested interest in getting me safely over there. You're sitting beside me. I don't believe that's a coincidence. So I imagine you're probably in the safest place you could possibly be right now. The passengers, they were totally taken aback. 
by that exchange, but it transformed their flight. It brought that person peace. But it also led to some very interesting conversations about Jesus. I suppose that's the point, isn't it? Let's pray. Invite the worship team to come forward. Lord, there are so many things that you have said. There are so many things that we've forgotten. Lord, I pray in this moment that you would strengthen your church. Lord, as the orchestra has been getting played this morning. Lord, that you would revive and even speak new promises into the hearts of your people. Remind them of what you've already said. Encourage them with next steps. Help them to lay hold of what's now so that they can actually head into their future with faith. Lord, would you equip us as a body to be able to share the good news of Jesus Christ, the hope of the world, with the people that are around us this summer season. Lord, would you give us strategies? Would you give us endurance and obedience, but also boldness to actually do that? Lord, we're so grateful that you have spoken and that what you have said will come to pass and that we can live out of those promises with a sureness of faith. Amen.